Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Samuel, verse, uh, chapter 5. 2 Samuel, chapter 5, verse 22. We're going to continue our series entitled Steps. We've talked about keeping in step with the Spirit in the first week. We've talked about uh, uh, the marching around Jericho as a people, the Israelites. Uh, Last week, we talked about the, uh, the Battle of Armageddon and the saints in step with and following Jesus uh, into the final battle against evil. And now today we talk about King David and King David's victory against the Philistines. Actually, his second victory. He has, as we get into this passage, starting with verse 22 through 25, he has previously defeated the Philistines. And now he's going to be in a battle with them a second time. I typically, on a personal level, usually read um, the NIV translation, not the newest one, the one that came out in the 80s, the better one. I also like the uh, New King James Version. I don't know what you use. Um, But I cannot imagine, in my wildest dreams, this message being preached with anything other than the King James Version. Who, Who reads the King James? Okay, all eight of you. All right. It goes like this. And the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them and come up upon them over and against the mulberry trees. And let it be when thou hearest the sound of a going in, the tops of the mulberry trees, and let it be when thou hearest the sound, then thou shalt bestir thyself. All right, let's get into it. This is old school here. Old Testament, old school message that is profound possibilities for each and every one of us here. Today, let's break it down. The first verse, and the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. They came up again. In other words, we're gonna encounter these people again. We're gonna fight them again. We already have a knowledge of how to beat them. We've already beat them once. We, we seem to know how many of them there are. We, we know some, we have some experience. We have some context with how they fight their level of passion, their level of zeal. But yet we did, we did beat them and um, we're gonna come up against them again. So, so the natural uh, man, the natural inclination would be, okay, let's figure out now how to do the same thing we did before so when we could beat them this time, if we did it that way before, it'll be successful this time. And um, that exactly is not correct. I think that's pretty much how we tend to operate, actually. We operate that, in, that way in relationships. We can operate that way in the, in the marketplace. Well, I've always done it this way, and, if I, and I'm very successful, so if I just keep doing it this way, I'll continue to be successful. To some extent, that makes sense. I mean, if you're, if you're repeating wisdom and good practices and integrity and morality and, and love, sure, but you're talking about the Philistines now and you're talking about an army and you're talking about King David who's not the most experienced commander in the world at this point. What we really need to do is, here's a concept. Think about this for just a second. Rather than jumping in on what we've been doing over and over and over, 
that's been successful. David has an inclination now that maybe pause, and here's a thought. See what the Lord has to say. How about that? How about that? Uh, Rephaim means giant. So one could read this to say they're headed for a valley of giants. The implication here is this is not gonna be like a day at the beach, okay? And when David inquired of the Lord, when David inquired of the Lord, he said, thou shall not go up. In other words, the Lord's saying, no, we're not gonna do it the same way you did last time. Thou shall not go up, but fetch a compass behind them and come, up, come upon them over against the mulberry trees. What is this? This is not my NIV translation. Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass. I, I don't know. At first glance, I'm thinking, I know better than this, but that God could be from Alabama. I know better than that. This fetching business, I'm not used to this word. Go, God's gonna go fetch something. So, Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass. What are you saying in that thing is, hey, listen, you're gonna surround them this time. We're gonna do something a little bit different. I want this compass idea and fetch a compass means we're gonna kind of like come around them and this is gonna all kind of go down by the mulberry trees. That's how this is gonna happen. And uh, just get over there and do what I say, basically is what he's saying. Encircle them. Um, Wise enough, I guess, is David to know that he can wait on the Lord, which is the key here. He's waiting on God to give him a plan. Remember when we went up against the, uh, the Israelites went up against Jericho, they waited on a plan. The plan at, at face value made zero sense. I want you to put your weapons down, basically. I want you to pick up your trumpets. I want you to walk in a circle day after day after day. And then every once in a while, we're gonna shout and sing. And every once in a while, we're gonna be quiet. That's what's gonna bring the wall down. So Joshua and David have something in common. They're listening to the plan. They're listening to the, to the plan that God has at this particular battle. Not just any battle, this battle. This battle has a plan. Just like this week has a plan. Just like Wednesday of this week has a plan. Just like Thursday has a plan. There's always a plan. It's a fresh, it's a new, it's a challenge. And the question is, are we waiting? Are we listening? Are we in tune with? Are we sensitive to? Are we even considering the Lord's intervention in our life? We'll get to that in a second. David inquired of the Lord. He waited on the Lord. And now he's figuring out, all right, we're gonna do this different. See, you could almost see the military. He's about to give an order. They're all about to go do what they did last time. No, 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 we're gonna encircle them. Go fetch a compass, whatever that means. You see, the Lord knows the battle plan on both sides. He knows what the Philistine strategy is. See, the Lord knows what their strategy is. He knows where they're gonna be. He knows their, 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 their steeliness. He knows their, their, their willingness to fight. He also knows their strategy, their level of ammunition. They also know his morale, whether it's up, down, or in between. He knows if anybody's been added, anybody's been taken away. He knows who's gonna surrender, who's not. See, the Lord knows the game's fixed. Now, I know your, your, your college football team studies films all week long, and they think they know the other team, but the Lord knows the other team better. He knows what they have to work with, what they don't, and the limitations that they have, the strengths, the attributes, where not to attack them, where to attack them, where to lay back, where to wait. He knows all those things. 
And we can't be sitting here saying, well, we did it this way last time. You see, God may like cookies, but he's no cookie cutter. He's not looking for us to copy everything we've ever done in our life. It seems kind of boring to me, actually. I want something new, fresh. I want, I want to know what he knows about the enemy. I want to know what he knows to outsmart the enemy. I want to know what he knows to beat the enemy, because I don't really have a clue. My wife and I had some land one time. I have to be careful, because the person that bought the land from us could be in the room, for all I know. I, I don't know. We had some land. And, and, and at first it was great. And then we realized, this isn't so great. This is costing us money. We don't need this land. So we got to sell this land. Well, nobody wanted to buy the land. It was 2010. Nobody wanted to buy this land. No one's going to buy this land. Nobody's going to buy this land. I don't care what the price is. Nobody's buying this land. That's basically the reality of it all with one exception. We got to thinking and praying about it. We came up with this idea that the only person in the world interested in buying this land lived next door to it. They're the only ones in the world that had an interest in this land. The real estate market had tanked. Everybody was boohooing, sobbing on each other's shoulder. Anyway, we started moving around out there and pointing fingers and putting stuff in the flags in the ground. Man, if you looked out the window, you would have thought that we were planning to build like a Sears or a J.C. Penney's right next to them. Anyway, we were walking up along the property line, and anyway, long story short, we got an offer. We got an offer from the people who live next to the land. And the offer was so great that we would only lose like $10,000, which to me was like one of the biggest gains I could have ever had in my life. It would have been the greatest miracle ever. And then I'm so excited, I'm only going to lose $10,000. This is great. And then I talk to my wife, and she always knows better. This is the thing. Oh, no, we need to counter back. Oh, yeah, we need to counter back. That's too low. Our God's bigger than that. You know, the whole God's big. She's preaching to me. And I still haven't totally learned how to listen yet. See, what I'm, what I'm trying to learn right now is how to hear from the Lord. And what she's trying to teach me is I hear from the Lord through her. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't totally grasped it yet. So I'm a work in progress. So we upped the price. I can't remember the numbers, but it was to me, it was like worthy of a heart attack. Like, we can't lose this deal. We're gonna, <laughs> no, this is great. These are the only people out of eight billion on the earth who want this piece of ground. Like, what, let's not mess around here. Well, we messed around, and they paid the price. See, God knew what their desire was for that land. He knew what their ability to pay for it was. He knew, what, he knew how bad we were off. But he knew both sides of the story. So what does my wife do? She inquires of him. She dropped me like, like a hot potato. Like, I had small thinking. She inquired of him, and then she comes up with, you know, we need to ask more. That's what David's doing. He's inquiring of the Lord. He's waiting on him because God knows both sides of the equation. He knows what's fair. He knows what's right. He's looking out for both parties. Okay, there it is. 
David has this remarkable guidance in the Lord's, in his life. The, the remarkable guidance of God in David's life. But why do we read about this in the Old Testament and, and it's cute, makes for a good narration, sounds really good, but few if any in this room can honestly testify that God spoke to them with such specifics. They're supposed to go fetch a compass and circle them and get over there by the mulberry trees and not move until they were told what to do. It doesn't seem all that common to me. But yet, the same God was at work in David's life that's at work in our life. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So what, what is the meaning here? What do we glean from this whole situation? I'll tell you why this doesn't happen as often as maybe it happened with David. It's not because David's more important than us. It's not because, because David is, uh, God shows favoritism. It's not that. It's, why, why don't you and I have this clarity about specific directions, waiting on God, doing something, waiting, don't go, how to do it? What, why is that? Typically speaking, I'm, I'm, just, I'm giving you a warning here, this could hurt a little bit. Get comfortable. Sometimes, it's not expected because of a lack of faith, a lack of mindfulness, or we don't see ourselves as worthy. I don't have the faith to believe that God's going to give me such clear directions. I don't know that I'm worthy to receive that. I, I wouldn't know how to go about doing that. I don't expect that. Well, the reason we don't expect it is because the reason we don't believe it. We may say we believe it, but if we believed it, we would actually inquire. We don't inquire because we don't expect. We don't expect because we don't believe. And we don't, when we don't believe, we don't act upon it. So we get actually what we ask for, nothing. James 4 and 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. So if we're living our life and we come up against these seemingly small things or these major things in life and we really need some clear direction, if we don't inquire of the Lord, guess what we get? pretty much zero input from him. It is not, I don't know, that's not the way I came up. Well, what does that have to do with anything? This is a whole different battle. This is a whole different situation and a whole different day. Why not inquire of him? I, I mean, really, what do you have to lose? We don't hear because we don't inquire. And we don't inquire because we don't believe. We say we believe, but we don't. But we don't expect to hear anything back. We don't inquire because we'll be disappointed if we don't hear anything. It dawned on me as I'm thinking about this message, if I don't inquire and I don't ask, and I don't ask because I don't believe, I have something very much in common with somebody. Who is that? Oh yeah, I know what it is. Every atheist that walks the face of the earth, they don't inquire either. They don't ask either. They don't show any belief either. They just go about their thing doing their thing. Well, how many times have I just gone about my thing doing my thing without the inquiry, without the waiting, without the prayer, without a devotedness, without my ears open? No, no, I'm just gonna do it the way I did it last time. It's interesting. I actually am mimicking an atheist by not even bringing it up. You know, they're not bringing it up. There's no one to bring it up to in their own mind. I'm not even bringing it up to the God who was a cattle on a thousand hills. Think about that. What direction do you want your business to go in? Hey, what customers do you not want? 
Can I show, show me a contractor, show me your hands on how many customers you wish you never had. Show me a customer wish they never had the contractor. Inquire of the Lord. There's a blessedness, my friend, in subtraction. We're Americans, we think the only blessedness is in addition. Oh, no, no, no. There's a blessedness in subtraction. There's some people you would thank God for all eternity you never did business with. And you know what I'm talking about. So, so what do we do? We have to be like David. We have to inquire of him. We have to wait on him. I mean, really, at least give him a shot. You know, dying on the cross and everything, don't you think he earns it? Inquire of God about the small things in your life and the large things in your life. And don't just do everything rote like you did last time. It's kind of boring anyway. And then he says, and let it be. When thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees. <laughs> I love this translation. When you hear the sound of a going. I, I feel like I'm, 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 I'm listening or watching um, <laughs> an old black and white movie rooted in the south or something. When you hearest the sound of a going. That sounds like something you'd hear from a deacon smoking a cigarette out in front of the Baptist church back there in lower Mississippi. No, no offense. <laughs> you laugh because you've seen it. And let it be when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees. That has to be God. Nobody would say that. huh? Nobody would write that. Hebrews 11.1, 1. now faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Hold on a second. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is the evidence of things not yet seen. Maybe you have a friend in your life that's blinded and can't see I was watching the movie Ray the other day, Channel Surfing. Academy Award winning performance of Ray Charles. And it reminded me of the acuteness in which somebody who is blind, even born blind, can hear. Um, they can hear with a greater acuity than 2020 vision can see with the same acuity. They, they can hear things that have never been heard by us. In the movie, he's sitting down having lunch with somebody. He can hear a hummingbird outside in the front yard of the restaurant. And I thought, my gosh. You know, a walk with Jesus is kind of like that. I'm not going to see everything. Because faith tells me I'm not going to see it. So what I need to do is stop looking and start listening Faith comes by hearing. I want to increase my faith. I got to listen. I got to listen. I got to listen. And that's what God's trying to teach David. Listen, I want you to inquire of me. We'll do this a little different. I'll give you the victory, but I want to teach you something. Circle up over there, if you would, over by the mulberry trees. I'm going to allow you to listen to something. They can't even see the army. No, no, no. You're going to listen. I'm going to teach you to listen because a king needs to know how to listen. A man of faith, a man after God's own heart, needs to know how to listen to the Lord. 
When you listen to a sermon on a Sunday morning or, or you're online during the week and whatever you're listening to, do you know how to listen? When you read your Bible in your comfortable chair in your den in the morning, do you know how to listen? Do you know how to listen so that your faith increases, not just see what God is, what God's doing? I'll get you over there by the mulberry trees. I'm gonna teach you how to listen and have your faith raised. This is important. Romans 10 and 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He said there's a sound going in. <laughs> there's a sound going in the mulberry trees. The Hebrew there is there's a sound of marching. There's a sound of steps. There's a sound in the tops of those trees I want you to listen to. No one else may hear it. That's not the point. David, I want you to hear it. I want you to hear it because you are in charge of and responsible for those men you're sending into battle. And I don't want you to send these men into battle until you've heard from me. Think about the implications of that. How many decisions have we made, major ones even in our life, of which we failed to truly inquire that actually the decision affects many other people. I make a decision, I say something, it can affect hundreds if not thousands. We have people listening to our, to our broadcast all over the world. Know what you're going to say, but don't say something until you've heard it. There's people's lives that are affected by what goes on here. David, I want you to hear something in the mulberry trees. Well, he has no idea what this is. I'm not saying he should. Well, when you hear something going on in there, I want you to pay attention. I'm marching some steps. You're gonna hear some celestial rustling of the leaves. I was at the farm the other day and I heard this, uh, it sounded like the stream had started flowing at the back of the property and I was like, I know that's not happening. It's dry out here. It hadn't rained. I don't know how long. This is very uncharacteristic. Well, it wasn't the rain. It was the tops of the poplar trees. It's interesting. Other translations call these poplar trees. I thought, wow, water's flowing. What in the world is that? And then I looked up and I go, oh, it's those leaves. I like that sound when you say, when everybody pulls their Bible out and you say, turn to so-and-so and then you, everybody's like little pages sound like rustling leaves. I like that. He goes, David, I want you over here. I want you to hear this. I want to hear some, some angelic celestial marching up there in the tops of those trees and I'm going to share it with you. And when you make the decision to go into battle, you're going to feel so much better about it because you're going to actually win because you had the sense to wait on me and open your ears and close your mouth. What is the Lord saying? You see those leaves glimmering in the wind. Philistines are looking at them and the Israelites are looking at them and David's looking at them, but he's not looking at them, he's listening to them. Those that wait, those that hear, the Lord goes before them. Before you give someone an order, 
receive an order from the Lord. Before you tell someone else what to do, before you evaluate and judge someone else, make sure you've already heard what the Lord had to say about that very thing you have a problem with. It's called a two by four in your eyeball. I like this too, Psalm 34 and seven, angels encamp around those who fear him. You see, David in this moment, this is crucial, don't miss this. David in this moment had a greater fear of the Lord than he did the enemy. And because he had a greater fear of the Lord, angels encamped around him in the tops of the mulberry trees. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Don't, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition. Well, think back now. What are you most freaked out about? Whether they're gonna accept the contract on the land or listening to the Lord. You more freaked out about the stock market? I am. <laughs> you more freaked out about the economy? or the one that holds all things in his hands? Do you have a greater reverence from him? Or are you over-respecting and over-revering situations in this world? Because if the world's got your attention more than the one who created it, here's your problem. You're not inquiring of him. You're conforming to the pattern of this world. Those that wait, those that hear, the Lord goes before them. Hey. In every situation we've looked at in this series, isn't, the, isn't it the fact you want the Lord to be ahead of you and you're not ahead of him? Inquire of the Lord. Have the faith to believe you're worth him speaking to. Expect him to answer. And if he doesn't, move forward. At least you inquired. If you inquired, I'm sure it didn't make any difference. If he never spoke to you, whatever you chose to do, he's gonna work with. But if there's something emphatically he wants you to do, it's best to inquire and listen. Your faith will increase. And let it be when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees. I get it. Some people here are probably incredibly opposed to hunting. Others of you uh, aren't even here because you're hunting. <laughs> So, God bless you <laughs> as you listen during January. But when you're hunting, this is the thing. I love hunting. I don't like to kill anything. I just like to be alone in a tree. <laughs> Sound is of the highest importance. Like, you have, to, you have to have, you have to switch from sight to sound and you have to listen. You can't turn your head, you just move your eyes and you're listening for every single thing that you can listen for. The rustling of leaves, the breaking of a twig. I've sat in deer stands before and I couldn't turn around to see them, but I knew there was deer about 10 feet behind me and beneath me until they literally walked underneath me. They were 10 feet away from me. I was like a statue, but I heard them. And this is why hunters can't stand squirrels. 
squirrels fake you out every time. They rustle about and they break this and that and they jump around and all of a sudden you go, there's a deer over there and your heart gets to racing and it's a stupid squirrel. And this is why God invented squirrel hunting. (laughs) See, the thing about a deer is it's got, a human has eyes on the front of its head, deer has eyes on the side of its head. So a deer can see almost all the way around. So you just gotta sit there and not move. But there are times in a deer stand, because you gotta get up at the crack of dawn, I mean, before light ever comes up, you're tracing through the woods in the dark, you're freezing to death, and you get up in the tree stand and you sit there and it's still dark and you've gotta be quiet and acclimate to the environment and let the animals acclimate to your presence and not hear you long enough so when the sun comes up and they come out, you can blow their head off. That's basically the way it works. But it's a whole lot more difficult than that. So it stands to reason that around lunchtime when you're supposed to gather everybody back up and go get some Mexican food in town and prepare for the evening hunt and feel like a man and smell bad, that's part of it. I'm not kidding. Plus, you slept in a lodge where half the people snored so loud you didn't sleep anyway. So you're in the tree and you're excited about being up there and then you start to doze off. And then a squirrel wakes you up or something wakes you up and all of a sudden, whoa, you are alert. You've got adrenaline going through your whole entire body. You don't know what's going on. There's a Sasquatch next to you or a buck or something and all of a sudden there you are. I'm like, oh my goodness. You've memorized the landscape and you're looking around and you can see if something's different than it was when you dozed off. Something's changed, okay? Something stirs you. That's the way it works. Now, you may not be a deer hunter. I get it. But this example fits you just as much. You see, this is what... It says after that sentence, and let it be when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees. It's the greatest sentence in the whole Bible as far as I'm concerned, at least for this week. That then thou shalt, this is great, bestir thyself. What is this? I have a birthday coming up. What am I, 39? I'm 39 years old. 59, sorry. 59, missed that. Um, I've never heard these words, bestir thyself. But to be honest with you, I wish I had heard him sooner. So I say this to you this morning, bestir thyself. What is that? When you hear that celestial parade in the tops of the mulberry trees and you get a sense that God's starting to speak to you, wake up. Stop dozing off and bestir thyself. What is this? Ready thyself. Get active and ready to act. Get ready to obediently act upon the word of God. Make a determination to listen and act on by faith, okay? Bestir. You know, a lot of what I do Unfortunately, 
is a replacement for what we're all supposed to be doing personally. But my role is different than it should be for each and individual. My role is to, in some way, shape, or form, share the word of God with you and stir you, right? To, to stir something, to, to, to share something that's inspirational and inspire you, to share truth and rightly divide the truth and activate you, to, to share something and wake you up. But you and I have a responsibility on a personal level not to rely upon the person standing here to wake you up. It is for you to bestir thyself and not count on me to be your cattle prod. To bestir thyself, to, to make yourself ready, to make thyself ready for battle to actuate your faith, to hear from God and act upon it, to inquire of him, to wake oneself up. Uh, I don't know what you've been through. It's, it's terrible, some of it. I, I know, we just heard a testimony. But there are times when you're weak and you're down and you're, you're, you're lethargic and you're spiritually fatigued and you're crispy and you're charred and you're burnt out and you're, you're, inquiring, you're not inquiring of the Lord. You're not asking, you're just existing. Be stir thyself. People are counting on you. Be stir thyself. Wake thyself up. Get thy word out. Say thy a lot. It's my role to stir you, but not really, not exactly. My role is to stir you to stir yourself. I have a responsibility to you. I'm not responsible for you. You're responsible for you. Stir thyself. Know yourself, know when you're down, know when you're feeling sorry for yourself. Figure out what it's gonna take and bestir thyself. Do anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, I know you know the part where you need it. Do you know how to do it? It's important. The whole army is counting on them. God's telling David, I have a plan. I'm gonna speak to you, it's at the top of the trees, it's gonna be incredible. But that, that's meaningless if he's not stirred as a man. He's not stirred as a leader. He has to awaken to the fact that he's a part of the plan, that, that God's, God's got a partnership with him in the plan to beat the Philistines, that, that he's responsible for the men behind him and he's responsible to the Lord ahead of him. You're an employer, you got a business, you're responsible for your employees. These people get a paycheck and they, they raise their families and they, they do things with their family. They're counting on you, listen. They're counting on you on some level to, be, to, to stir thyself, to hear from God, to run the business and, and court it with this book. They're wanting you to know what you're doing. People come to this church, they wanna know that I know what I'm doing. Stir thyself. You're a doctor, you have patience, be stir thyself. Literally, this is life and death. You've got people in your family that are wayward. You know, we've got to get to where we're prepared for a battle, not looking back, wish we, I wish I'd done it this way, I wish I'd said this, I wish I hadn't said that. I hate that. It's better to say nothing. Go hang out under a mulberry tree, whatever that is. What am I doing today? I'm just simply moving the leaves, man. I'm breaking a few twigs. 
I'm trying to create with the word of God, the context in which you like stir a little bit and go, what's going on? What's going on? Where am I? What am I doing? Am I listening? How well am I listening? Am I looking but not listening? Am I listening first and looking second? This God has such resources, such opportunities, such strategy. He knows the enemy's plan. He knows his provision, his will to fight. Inquire of him. Wait on him. The sound of something going on here. Bestir thyself. You know, a lot of people talked about Jesus and his miracles and I can hear him going home for dinner. I'm telling you, I was there at the synagogue. I'm telling you, the guy's hand was shriveled and when he left, it wasn't. I saw it with my own eyes. I saw it. I'm telling you, they lowered him through the roof and he walked out of that place. I saw it. But there's a statement that just gnaws at me and gnaws at me and gnaws at me. What is it? Mark 1 and 22, when they heard him, oh, when they heard him, they were amazed. As he spoke as one who had authority, unlike the teachers of the law, the hearing was as important as the seeing. If you don't hear anything today, hear this, be stir thyself. You can say that to an individual, you can say it to a family, you can say it to a nation. You can say it to the church. The nation won't listen, the church should, and, and the family will. Listen to the marching in the treetops, my friend, and bestir thyself. Have not only a what, but a why. What do you do for a living? That's not a hard question to answer. Why you do it? Where do you go to church? Is an easy question to answer. Why do you go there is a different one. What you do to minister to other people and their eyes is expected. What they wanna know is why are you doing it? What's your motivation? Prepare to act, prepare to seize, prepare to move, prepare to fight, and then when you know, you move, and you'll be victorious. Because then, and only then, are you truly following the Lord. Not only are you following the Lord, you're following his instruction. Do you see the difference? You can live your entire Christian life and follow the Lord, it's different than following his instruction. Let me put it to you this way. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here it is. Here it is. Get ready. Obeying everything that I've taught you. Following the instructions. Inquire of God, my friend. One of the things in life that I think is truly disgusting is going to a restaurant, a bad one, with a buffet, and having soup with a film on top. That is disgusting. All right. It's bad enough you gotta work at some of these restaurants. 
Like you gotta bust your own tables, throw your stuff away, and then expect to give them a tip at the counter. I never have figured that out. Anyway. A cream-based soup, when left to heat on its own, will get a film on top. A water-based soup will not. Water-based doesn't taste as good. It's not as quality of ingredients as a cream, not all soup, but the cream soup. But you're gonna get a film. And what prohibits the film on top of the soup? You've got to keep stirring it. What do you do with this message? Well, you leave here today with this odd, odd, odd phrase on your mind. Be stir thyself. We ask God to do things for us that he's expecting us to do to ourselves. Stir thyself. We say, God, will you stir me up? He's going like, why don't you do that on your own? What's your investment in the relationship? Stir your own self up. Wake up. Something's moving. Load your gun. There's a fight here. Rise, O oh sleeper. Rise from the dead. There's things to do out there in this world in ways you've never done them before, with strategies you've never heard of. I can tell you one thing. If we continue the strategy as a church in this nation, the way we've always done it, we'll be extinct. If someone doesn't wake up and figure out how to do something differently, we will actually, the church will ruin this country. Because the methods we're using are not working. We need to inquire of the Lord hear the sound of his movement and obey his voice. As we come to close the service, I want you to think about where you are in the deer stand of life. Alert, asleep, sensitive. Have you an inquiry of God today? You see, God isn't as simple as we make him out to be. We heard an incredible testimony of of the process of healing. But there are those who had stage four cancer and weren't healed. The battle and the results look different, but we have to inquire of the Lord as to how to respond in either context. See, not everybody can be healed. If everybody was healed, no one would die, and this would be heaven. Right? So we have to inquire of the Lord how to respond to the sovereignty of God. Thank him on one hand for what he's done for us and inquire of him on how to respond in another context. Either way, we always inquire of the Lord. Let's ponder these things as we, uh, as we sing.